Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Bikes and Big Ideas on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. And once again, we are broadcasting this episode from our home here in the Gunnison Valley of Colorado. And you should start making plans to come out here to ride, perhaps especially after you hear what today's guest has to say about the riding here. And speaking of today's guest, I just got off the phone with Claudio Calori as he was making his way to Italy, having just returned from Israel. Now, as I'm sure that many of you know, the conflict between Israel and Palestine had recently escalated while Claudio was there. And so while I had been checking in with Claudio just to make sure that he was okay, I also wanted to have this conversation that you are about to hear to learn more about the work that he was doing in Israel, why he stayed there while this conflict was escalating to finish this project, and then importantly, what he learned by virtue of being on the ground there. And after all of that, we also touch on a number of other big plans that Claudio has for 2021, including a really exciting project that Claudio breaks the news about during our conversation here. And, well, let's just say that Claudio has another very full year in front of him. And so with that, let's get to it. Well, Claudio Calori, it's been too long, but you're a busy guy, and I thought it's time to catch up with Claudio. So how are you today, and where are you currently? <laughs> I'm just, I just crossed the border from Switzerland to Italy, going to help out the Italian team with some asphalt in the next two days, laying asphalt on a pump track, and then get back by, before the weekend. Wow. Okay. So you, per usual, you're still keeping a pretty full s- schedule. Well, um, I was actually trying to loosen that up to get more riding. And last year, I, was, uh, I got some help by that weird virus. So that helped a lot to get some riding back. Now it's getting more intense again. Um, but uh, yes, I just discussed that with the team that we should definitely learn from last year and We should definitely not go into old patterns where I'm being sent around the world for every little meeting. And even just this morning, one of our marketing guys said, hey, you need to fly to to Lisbon for a quick video. And I said, nope, that's not happening anymore. We're not doing this. It's uh, we must have learned from last year. And I'm not going to fly to places only for a, for a two-minute video. That's not happening anymore. So is it safe to say that in terms of building pump tracks, you know, with Velo Solutions, that that has not slowed down at all or very much? What's the, what's the current state of things at Velo Solutions? Uh, it didn't slow down, only maybe temporarily in some countries where at the beginning of all of this, um, they just put a quick stop, but then got going immediately again. So actually during COVID, we last year in 2020, we've built 73 pump tracks. And uh, 
we're aiming for a lot more than that this year. Wow. So wait, 73 last year, and you're looking to do more than that in 2021? Yes. Wow. Well, part of the reason that I hit you up again is because I saw that you were just in Israel building a pump track when things were really heating up. And first of all, I hit you up because I was like, man, are you all right? But second, I just thought it would be very interesting to kind of get your perspective, what you were seeing and what you were hearing on the ground there in Israel. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, just one second. I'm paying the toll here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yes. Um, obviously, when we went there, there were no signs of everything heating up. Um, everything seemed normal. We, we left Switzerland or basically wherever the other workers came from on the 1st of May. And we started construction on the 2nd of May. And everything seemed normal. Um, we were staying in a youth village, uh, and basically we were quarantining in that youth village while while working on construction. So we, we had the house and the construction right next to it, uh, and that's the only two places where we were allowed. So we even had a, a guy that made sure we did not go anywhere else than between the house and and the construction, so that was quite funny. Um, and then uh, at some point, the the woman that that was in charge of that youth village, she came to us and said, "Guys, um, we have a situa situation. We need to be alert." And none of us knew what that meant. Um, and then I tried to somehow get a translation of what she was discussing with our with our guy in Hebrew and he then said okay look if you hear sirens you have 90 seconds to run to the next shelter um, which is somewhere in another house but he didn't really explain us where um, and then the first night there were no sirens so we thought okay well whatever and then the second night uh, at dinner, those sirens came and it took only a couple of seconds and we saw missiles going up and and uh, the defense fires from the Israeli and explosions in the air. And we're like, oh, oh, this is real. <laughs> and uh, so it kept on going all night long. We were being woken up like every couple of minutes and had to go down to the basement. Um, and at some point, I just uh, stayed in the basement and slept there. Um, but next morning, my team was so scared that they said, dude, we cannot stay here. We, we're leaving. And I said, okay, well, that's, that's your choice. Is there anyone who volunteers to stay with me to finish the job? And uh, so there were... Actually, everyone left except for one, which was the American. So I had one American guy over there. He stayed with me, and uh, we finished both pump tracks. Are you able to say or tell us where are these pump tracks? 
Yeah, so they're both uh, pretty close to Tel Aviv, so actually right where where it was going on. And uh, so for those wild 10 days where there was actually missiles flying, we then um, went up north for to sleep overnight so that we wouldn't have to run to the basement every couple of minutes. But during the day, we would come back down and and work. And uh, there was actually, during the day, there was only one day where there were missiles. And um, yeah, that was, that was quite interesting because, well, we heard the sirens, but we had no idea where to go. So we just kept on working and, and, and watched the missiles flying. <laughs> Okay, so this is basically exactly what I was kind of imagining in my head, which is why I reached out to you and was like, man, are you all right? Building pump tracks with missiles flying overhead. I, I take it that was a new experience for you? <laughs> yeah, it's not that I've done it many times before. <laughs> and can you explain why you decided to stay and keep working? Because it sounds like the people that took off doesn't sound like that was maybe the dumbest idea ever. Well, I could give you many answers here, but uh, it's a very, for me personally, that's a very, very current topic in the entire world. Do you change your plans because of fear or do you do what you believe in and just trust? And I can enforce that because I saw everyone who lived there, they had to get on with their normal life. They were not hiding in their basement for, for two weeks. They just did their normal thing. And whenever a siren came, they went to a shelter and hid. And then five minutes back, uh, five minutes later, people were out on the streets again. And, you know, the, the people that we worked with, they all have families, they have kids at home. So I was telling myself, look, if it was really crazy dangerous, these guys would not show up for work. They would stay home with their families. And that showed me, look, I mean, yes, there is a risk, but the Israeli, they, they get 94% of the the missiles that come, they get them out of the air. So there's only a couple of percent actually hitting the ground. That might be anywhere. So who commissioned these pump tracks to be built? Um, it was a collaboration between the Bartali Youth and Movement Foundation, which is founded by Ran Margalio, who is a former road racer. And his idea is to show show kids that there is something else than military. There there is more than that. You can you can do a lot more in life than go to the army. And uh, so he's working with those youth youth villages, which collects kids from all over the place with a let's say, difficult background. Some come just from poor families. Some come from crime. Some come from drug, drug, um, crime, whatever. And basically these kids who go, who live in the youth village, uh, it's their, some of them, it's their last chance. 
And with those pump tracks in those youth villages, um, the organization wants to show them that there's more in life than, than violence. And uh, that with cycling, you know, give them a goal, give them a routine, get them healthy and fit. And uh, it's not just the pump track, you know, there's a whole education system and uh, they show them how to become uh, instructors and, and so on. It's, it's pretty well organized. And uh, basically, these are the organizations that we're looking for with Pump for Peace so that uh, when we go build a Pump for Peace track, um, it's not just a track sitting there, but it's actually an organization that gets the kid out there, gives them bikes and helmets and shows them how to ride. And we're even looking at creating, creating a race series. And this is not going to stay just in Israel. It's going to go to Palestine as well. So after we finish the tracks uh, in, in Israel, I've actually already started talking to organizations that are going to help us to get to Palestine. Yeah. I, I saw mention of this. I just love this. So what everything you've just said, and, and frankly, to kind of underscore why you stayed and why you were working to finish these tracks while there were missiles flying overhead. I mean, this is actually part of the mission of Pump for Peace to give kids different outlets, different opportunities, show them different paths it's a good reminder of, of why you might have stayed to continue the work. Yeah, 100%. I mean, look, when this situation came up, it really felt like the situation I was imagining already when we talked about Pump for Peace the first time many years ago. This is like, okay, well, this is exactly what I was thinking of, where we're going to be with Pump for Peace. And... Imagine what kind of impression it would leave to the kids that if as soon as it gets sketchy, I'm escaping and leaving them alone. This would be kind of <laughs> the wrong message, right? Um, so for me, I, I never even had to think about this. For me, it was absolutely clear that, we're, that I'm doing everything I can to, to finish this. So there was absolutely no doubt. And that's, that is unusual for me because usually I'm doubting my own decisions very often and constantly. But when I was in Israel, there was absolutely no doubt. I knew what I had to do. And the idea then of getting tracks built in Palestine, I mean, this is just the other thing that I love. On the one hand, we can say that you know, bicycles are these silly little things that we just enjoy riding. And, you know, it's certainly not going to change the world. And yet, it just struck me that if some of these tracks can also be built in Palestine, if there can be race series going on, if this can be just one of hopefully countless activities and ways to try to bring an inroad between Israelis and Palestine people, that's incredibly important. And I, I would just love to hear you talk a bit about 
if being on the ground in Israel, if that changed anything about your own perspective or understanding of this longstanding conflict that has existed and that we would all obviously love to see this come to an end, did being on the ground change anything for you? Uh, first of all, to what you said in the beginning, uh, you said if, and you know what? It's not a question of if, it's just a question when. <laughs> um, because it is already happening, and uh, the question is only how fast we, we get into Palestine, but uh, we are fully working on it, and yeah, that that's pretty much my focus that fills my days at the moment. Um, the other question about if it changed anything in my perception, in some way, yes, because, and in some way, no, because, you know, I didn't go there to be on either side. I, I went there to get them together. So I did not go there for the Jews or for the Muslims or for whoever. I went there for, for peace and to get these people together. Um, and I learned that the very, very, very big majority of people living in Israel, and there's Jews and Muslims, and they all want to live together. They're tired of this war. So it's not like they hate each other. They live with each other. And there's some fucking freaks and the governments that do this war. And it's a minority that, that you know. And obviously, while I was there, I got a lot of messages saying, hey, why don't you build in Israel? Uh, why don't you build in Palestine? And uh, why, why are you helping Israel? This is wrong. And I'm like, look, I'm not here to take a side. I'm here to bring them together. So I'm not going to say anything for one side or the other. But I have been talking intensely uh, with everyone over there on a daily basis. I've asked them questions and questions and questions every day. You know, people showed me um, pictures of how Israeli uh, missiles were hitting buildings in Gaza and the other way around. And I'm like, yes, I'm trying to understand it, but I never will because nobody does anymore. It's been too long of a story. And the only, the only way of ending this is getting over the past. And yes, I know that this is a lot easier for me to say uh, as a non-Israeli or a non-Palestine who had to live with this all lifelong. Um, but most of them realize that themselves. They know that they have to get over it. Uh, yes, there has been a lot of bad from both sides in the past. And, you know, I did ask them uncomfortable questions. I asked um, my friends, my Israeli friends, I asked them, hey, since you have such a strong defense system that basically gets all the missiles out of the air, so none of them really hit the ground, why do you even fire back? Why don't you just uh, take it and leave it? I mean, 
what's the point of firing back? Well, obviously that uh, they didn't quite like that idea, but uh, <laughs> I still think it would be worth considering. But obviously that's very naive. But uh, maybe that being naive is what it takes. So I, I find it just so interesting. Like when you're saying you're having these conversations on the Palestine side, how do you even get connected with someone to talk about these things? How, did, how does that work? Most people over there are not filled with hate and they're, they're not fanatic and they're able to explain to you their view of things in a correct way without saying uh, the other side are assholes and, and whatever, but they're just trying to explain me their view of things. Obviously, I got to see more of the Israeli side than the Palestinian side, but I did get to, to hear and see what that side thinks as well. And obviously, it would take a lot more to, to fully understand what's, what's going on, if, if that is even possible, you know. The thing I'm thinking most is like, do not read the news, because that's for sure just lies. That's uh, lies from either one side or the other side. So um, I think I really have a better view from being on site and from... You know, we we had Arabs and an Israeli working together on our construction. So it's I was not there just with with the Jews. I was there with everyone. Obviously, there were more Jews than Arabs um, or than Muslims because we were um, on the Israeli side. But it's going to be the opposite once we get going in Palestine. Do you expect you'll be in Palestine? sometime soon or is it very hard to say yet what the timelines might look like on this well we already have you know there is arab villages in israel as well so um uh, by the end of this year we are built or not even the end so by october or november we're building a pump track in an arab village in israel and at the same time we are working Together with the Paris Peace Peace Center, they are gonna they're gonna connect us with their organizations in Palestine, and yeah, we're we're pushing pushing that side as much as we can. Super interesting, man. You get around. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of getting around, you also not too long ago were in California. And actually for quite a while, can you tell us a little bit about how the California trip went or what you were up to? Well, basically we had, uh, together with Elliot Jackson, that pump uh, trek in LA, in Inglewood, which is still going to be built. I was supposed to help building that in February and March, but uh, due to the situation, we had to postpone it. It will be later on this year. Uh, that was one of the reasons to come over to California. But, you know, the the real reason was I, I just, uh, if in 1999 to 2001, I've spent my winters training in California. It was always such a good time. And I thought, you know, it's it's time for me to, to get away from the office and 
try to get a clear head and, and see what what I want to do in the future. Um, I was still working, but not from the office at home, so I had a bit of distance. And the, the main thing I've been doing over there was actually a guitar school to get a bit more skill. <laughs> Get a bit more skills on the guitar. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. How's the guitar coming these days? Well, uh, from my point of view, I didn't I didn't progress as much as I would have liked to because, you know, the writing was so much fun. I, I actually got to write a lot more. <laughs> so more more riding, more bike riding than guitar playing? It was like an average of four four to five hours on the guitar and maybe two hours on the on the bike per day so okay it wasn't, it wasn't too bad that's a pretty good ratio that's a pretty yeah. good ratio and i was actually hoping to keep that ratio when i get when i come home but uh it didn't quite happen but i'm still working on that <laughs> well you did tell me it was just like a day or two ago you said you were out on like a three-hour bike ride with nino Scherter. So if that's true, I was like, first of all, I said to you, well, then you were clearly on an e-bike, I'm guessing, to, to keep up. But <laughs> it also, I'm also guessing that means your fitness is actually pretty good, even if you were on an e-bike, if you're keeping up with Nino for a three-hour ride. Well, you know, to do that on an e-bike, no, you don't need to be in a good shape because... That, <laughs> Yeah, the, the thing is that it got really rough because I didn't eat before the ride, and then uh, basically on the way home ran out of ran out of uh, battery. <laughs> so I almost collapsed when I got home. But uh, yeah, it was good. Nino Nino actually showed me a new trail right in front of my doorstep, and today I found a new one that I have to show him. Uh, well, we're having good times, and you know the e-bike really helps because. He can go as hard as he wants. I can keep up, and that's what allowed what allows us to go ride together. It's it's really super cool because without the e-bike, there would be no way for us to ride together because he's simply too fast. And unless he just wants to go, uh, you know, spin his legs without training, then he would not go ride with me. But with the e-bike, we can always go, and no matter how hard he goes you know kind of amazing too that you're still discovering tr new trails right out your front door well that's that's what uh relates to what i said before you know with uh the whole last year being the first summer for me at home and basically the last 20 years i've, I've never been home so even though i live in the one of the coolest places i almost said the coolest place but we still need to figure out if you're if your place in Crested Butte is cooler than mine in Flims. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a debate. Well, yeah. if and when I make it over there, I'm going to impose on you the same thing you're doing with Nino. So, like, if when I make it over there, I'm going to be on the e-bike, and I'm not going to let you be on an e-bike. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna have to level the playing field here a little bit, so... I would love to come check it out. And I, I know how high you are on Crested Butte, but I know how high you are on on Flims too. And it sounds and looks amazing. From the, the photos you text me on occasion, it's like, my goodness, this place looks all right. Yeah, yeah, it's really, 
And it's amazing, as you said, that I'm still still discovering trails, and there's plenty still that I haven't seen. Okay, so you're still in a traffic jam in Italy. No, I'm not driving. It's not a jam anymore. I'm fine. Oh, you're out of the traffic? Congrats. Yeah. Congrats. <laughs> so you're going to be pouring asphalt for the next couple of days, and then what? Then I finally get to see my son for a weekend, which is why um, I have to make sure we finish that asphalt in two days. And Friday night I'll drive home and have a weekend with my son, and then next week is Leogan. So first World Cup. Already, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. I In my head it was still several weeks out, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, here we are. What are your thoughts on this upcoming season? Have you had much time to kind of think about like either who you think is riding particularly well or whose chances you really like, or do you have to shift gears to get your head wrapped around this season? You know, with being in California and riding so much and also riding with many different uh, other riders, it really got me closer to racing again. So the... It was cool, really cool, and I think that this year in men's downhill, it's probably the most open it's ever been before. You know, like there's so many guys that can win. Um, there's very young guys coming up, like uh, last year's world champion and last year's World Cup winner, and then there's those established guys like Loic Bruni and the French Connection. But then there's also the older guys like Greg Minar, and they can all win. And uh, it's like 10 guys who can win a World Cup. So that's that's so cool, you know? I, I don't think you see any domination of anyone this year. Okay, I like this. That's going to make for a great season, if that's true, or... Just like this feels like a real open thing, more more so than maybe we've seen. Yeah. Okay, so you start that circuit, and then um, let's say once we get through the race season, so projecting out a little bit further into 2021, what else is going on? Well, I'm currently planning, you know, I've done that uh, never resting last year with the e-bike trying to do as many downhill runs as possible in one day yep so i'm currently planning the same thing again but not alone anymore i'm gonna go against some big names and uh we're gonna make it a battle um battle to to see who can do more runs in one day and try at the same time try try to raise a million for for pump for peace to then actually be able to go build a couple of tracks in in Palestine. So that's the that's the clear goal. We're trying to raise a million in one day with uh, with all of these guys. This is actually you are the first one hearing this because I've just written the concept of it this morning. <laughs> I love it. That's am that's amazing. I hope all the people that I think should be on it, I hope they all agree. And uh, it's going to be a tough one. It's going to be 12 hours of flat out, up and down, up and down, up and down. 
And uh, so we, we will have to figure out how to raise that money. And then uh, we'll, we'll have to get those, those locations for the pump tracks in Palestine ready. And uh, yeah, so that's the plan. Wow. Well, I'd love to either help you brainstorm on that or once you figure it out, I'd love to help in the project of just raising, raising money. So let's, let's stay in touch on that one. That's awesome. What a cool and good goal. That, that is the definition of a good cause. So would love to, would love to help with that. All right, cool. <laughs> Did I see that you also have some stuff going on with Danny McCaskill? Uh, you know, we did that home of trail, uh, home of yeah, home of trails video a couple of years ago for Graubünden, which is the area where I live in in Switzerland. And so um, we're taking, we're filming right after Leogang. We're starting a new campaign. It's a, a another campaign called Home of Trails, but it's it's the subtitle of it's take take Claudia to the limit. So. We're going to have all sorts of challenges with uh, many different names coming to our area and uh, challenging me in, in one way or the other on the trails in Graubünden. Man, see, this is why I just have to keep asking questions. Just keep peeling back the layers of, every, of everything you've got going on. Yeah, I just realized it's going to be quite booked. <laughs> <laughs> you just realized that right now, huh? As I'm as I'm making you kind of plot out, lay out your whole 2021, you're like, oh man, this is a lot. Well, there's uh there's some construction projects to squeeze in between, but I'm now actually considering, uh, you know, that would basically mean I'm never home again for the whole summer. Yeah, need to discuss a bit. <laughs> Well, hey, man, I just should maybe let you get going and, uh, you know, focus on the road, especially now that I've made you dizzy by making you recount everything that you actually have going on and have coming up. So uh, <laughs> may maybe I should let you go and, and wrap your head around that. Well, the thing is, you know, there is three three weeks that are not booked yet in July, but at exactly that time. I'm probably supposed to go and build another track in South Africa instead of Bosch. And, uh, huh, yeah, maybe I need to send someone else to South Africa so I have those three weeks at home. But, uh, you know, South Africa is not that bad either. No, you, you definitely get to go to some incredibly cool places. Yeah, yeah, I can't complain really. <laughs> But I guess the question is, when are you going to make it back to Crested Butte? We gotta, we gotta figure out your return visit. That's true, eh? Twenty twenty one is sounding pretty full, but uh, it sounds like there's a potential window in July, or we might be looking at twenty twenty two. I was actually also hoping to make it back to California this year. I. I promised to, to many people that I'll be back in fall, but uh, it currently doesn't look like it, does it? <laughs> <laughs> there might have to be some reworking of your calendar. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. November, December. Depends how many projects we're building in Israel again then. 
if you were to make it back out there to work on the grow cycling track, tell you what, I would, I would come out. I'd come out because that'd be a fun, fun thing to see the project, get to see you again. We'd see if Elliot was around. That would be worth uh, coming out for. So we'll, we'll see how it lines up for your own schedule, but uh, that would be a good, good rendezvous. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, well, I have no indication on when really uh, the Inglewoods track is going to happen. They, they, said, they said sometime in fall, I'm hoping for September, but that would then still be race season. Um, but, you know, by that time, a lot is still going to change. So we'll see. Well, hey, man, I'm always inspired by how much you have going on. And I really appreciate you taking the time to kind of just talk a bit about the experience of being on the ground in Israel and your vision for, you know, putting in more tracks in Israel and in Arab villages and in Palestine. And I'm really, really grateful for the work you're doing on that front. And again, would love to have our blister community contribute and help out uh, to, to see more tracks being built in that part of the world. So um, yeah, kudos to you for, for what you're doing and uh, keep it going, man. You know, as they say, rest when you're dead. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> All right. Well, great to talk, safe travels, good luck the next couple of days with the, the project in Italy. And uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you. And uh, yeah, hopefully not only talk, but see you soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. I look forward to it. Well, that's it for this edition of Bikes and Big Ideas. And if you are enjoying these conversations, then we would really appreciate it if you would just take 30 seconds to leave us a five-star rating or review in Apple Podcasts just to keep this whole thing going and growing. I also want to say thanks to Claudio for the conversation and for the really good work that he's doing. I want to say thanks to Taylor Ahern for producing this episode. And if you haven't already, go check out our new Blister Mountain Bike Buyer's Guide. Take a look and let us know what you think. Finally, from all of us here in Gunnison and Crested Butte, please take good care of yourself and everybody else. And we will talk to you again real soon.